Conclusion. So where in the end will we find our imp of the perverse? Is he hiding in our genes, dictating which proteins to produce where and when? Or is he filling the soup, filling the synapses between our brain's nerve cells? Ever ready to send flurries of electrical charges to terrify us? Perhaps our culture nurtures and feeds him, giving him its power by its warnings to suppress our bad thoughts, lest we risk ostracism in life or damnation in the one to follow. Or perhaps particularly hospitable living conditions are laid down for him in some of us in the earliest months of life, when some of our nervous systems are tuned to an exquisite sensitivity to warn us of perceived threats. Is he found in the flood of hormones circulating the blood of new mothers, coaxing them to be overly aware of any dangers to their newborn babies? Or perhaps it is best, after all, to consider him, to use Maimonides' words, a necessary trouble that comes along with having a human body. As modern neuroscience progresses, we are struck by the incredible complexity of our brains and nervous systems. We recognize more clearly all the time the complex and changeable network of structural and functional units that blur the ancient mind-body distinct to the point of irrelevance. Simple cause and effect answers are too much to ask for where human behavior is concerned. Our search for the imp of the perverse reminds me of the surgeon and essayist Richard Selzer's fanciful goal of one day, deep in the entrails of one of his patients, finally holding his gloved hand, the mysterious organ responsible for lovesickness. Thus I've engaged in the initial hypothesis, call it a hunch, that there is somewhere in the body, underneath the kneecap perhaps, or between the fourth and fifth toes, somewhere, a single, as yet unnoticeable master gland, the removal of which would render this person so operated upon immune to love. Daily in my surgery, I hunt this gland's amoris turning over membranes, reaching into dim tunnels, straining all the warm extrusions of the body for some residue that will point the way. Perhaps I shall not find it in my lifetime, but never, I vow it, shall I cease from these labors and shall charge those who come after me to carry on the search. Until then, I would agree with my Uncle Frank, who recommends a cold shower and three laps around the block for the immediate relief of the discomforts of love. Like the search for the ultimate site of lovesickness, the search for the imp of the perverse is far off, hopelessly mixed up with the rest of what makes us human. But when the bad thoughts, which are the imp's calling card, become more than mere nuance and cause us pain, some concrete steps, slightly more complex than Uncle Frank's prescription, can help tame these thoughts. In the preceding chapters, I've tried to lay out the most current thinking on the causes and treatments of violent, sexual, and religious bad thoughts. If you follow the instructions given here, most of you will find some measure of relief from your bad thoughts. I wish you the best of luck in your efforts. Now, if only those dogs would keep out of those pickup truck beds. <laughs>